0: Welcome to the unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim, three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to the unveiling. This is episode 38, and we're calling it, well, we call everything pretty much the same thing. It's all about Jesus, but today we're going to talk about the law versus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in that spirit. Um, I haven't come up with a catchy name yet, but uh, we will before we release it. So anyway, tonight, eh, our usual hosts, Ajay, Tim, and we are without Mark tonight. Uh, Mark had to address some family business, so we're going to go ahead and move forward. So Ajay, let me say a couple of things and then You can repair that and move forward, but uh, we're going to be talking about one of the big differences between the law and the Old Covenant and the New Covenant is the Old Covenant was very focused on us, ourselves. It comes from a very self-point of view. Um, I think you've used the term, it's self-conscious, while the New Covenant is much more in fact, completely Spirit and Jesus-focused. So that's a huge difference. And I want to, you know, we're going to talk about that and maybe a little bit more as we move through tonight's episode. So, you know, I've said my my opening bit, Aj, why don't you get us started? Yeah,
1: Tim, by way of summary, uh, if I may summarize what you were saying uh, in a more concise manner, I would say the law makes us self-conscious, whereas... Grace makes us Christ-conscious. Much better. So we would like to kind of dig a little little deeper into this today and see where it takes us. So it's interesting, right? You know, if you ask an average believer, what is John 3.16? Right? Everyone says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But Tim, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but... Uh, can you tell me what all the Ten Commandments are?
0: I don't think I could actually recite all Ten Commandments. I can probably, I, will pro- I know the first one, love the God, your Lord, your God. And I know the third one is respect and honor your parents, your father, and your mother. And I know there's don't murder, don't lie, don't cheat, don't bear false witness, don't covet your neighbor's rear end. I just don't know what order they come in, and I probably missed three.
1: I bet, you know, even people who are vehemently uh, rooting for the law. And saying that, you know, we are under the law, I bet, you know, they cannot recite all the Ten Commandments, the things that they are so strongly rooting for. But so I thought, you know, maybe, you know, we can just go all the way back to Exodus 20 and read the Ten Commandments. If you want to read, that would be great.
0: All right, Ajay, uh, I'll be happy to read that for us tonight. Do you want me to stop at each one or just read them through?
1: You can read them through. That's
0: cool. Okay. So uh, Exodus 20, starting at the very beginning. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, Am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's it.
1: Yeah, Tim, you know, before going into uh, uh, the main topic, you know, one of the things that I noticed is uh, as you're reading this, it says in you know, verse 5, You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. See, here it's interesting, right? For those who are under the law, in order to really keep the law and escape the punishment of the law, not only you should keep the law perfectly, but Your father should keep the law perfectly, your grandfather should keep the law perfectly, and your great-grandfather should keep the law perfectly. So even if you kept the law perfectly, it could be, you know, your great-grandfather's sin might come and catch you. So I thought as you're reading it, I thought it's interesting. Wow.
0: It's, it's so tough for us to keep it, and we are expecting our ancestors to have kept it all well, too. That's a, yeah. that's a lot of stress and burden when you're not directly involved.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it clearly says, you know, punishing the children for the sin of the parents and to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. So it's very interesting. So I think the main point is right here, if you look at the Ten Commandments, Every commandment starts with you. You shall not do this. You shall not do this. You shall not do this. And you shall keep the Sabbath. You shall honor your father and mother. And the other thing about the law is it's not enough if you do once, right? Let's say there was a perfect day in your life where you kept all the Ten Commandments. But of course, somebody like you, Tim, uh, I won't be uh, surprised (laughs) if you say... (laughs) You had a perfect ten <laughs>
0: I've, I've had a perfect I've had a perfect nine
1: <laughs> uh,
0: no, not even
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know it's not enough day in and day out, you have to keep it because you know the bible says in uh, if you go to Galatians chapter three, let's jump to Galatians chapter three real quick. Galatians chapter three, verse ten, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. You know, the key word is continue to do. So day in and day out, you have to keep the entire law. And then even to the point of death, even just before dying, you should be perfect. Right? Only then you are justified. Otherwise, you are cursed. That's what the Bible says. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And not only that, right? So James says that if you broke one law and kept the entire law, you know, you are guilty of breaking all the law. So you have to keep all the commandments perfectly all the time. So it's not like a grading system, right? Okay, I kept 99% of the time and I kept nine of the 10 commandments, Uh, 99% of the time, you know, in the usual school system, you get some grace marks, right? Okay, this kid is like 99% of the time he's good. Okay, let's give him some, give him some grace marks. It's not like that. Tim, I think you were going to say something. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just disagreeing with you, Ajay. Uh, the fact the fact that we have to keep them all, It's and I've seen preachers preach on specific things and then uh, come out of it and gone, okay, I got those things straight. You know, I haven't murdered anybody today. And then like we talked about last week, Jesus comes along and says, "Well, if you got mad at one of your brethren, you've you've committed murder." It's like, "Oh, man. Yeah. You can't. You just there's 10 things. You think 10 th- you think in your mind 10 things. This should be simple. And yep. no, it's it's impossible. It is impossible."
1: Yeah. yeah. And another observation, you know, even just as you're reading, you know, I'm observing all this. I didn't plan on saying all these things, but one of the other observations is there are external commandments, there are internal commandments, right? There is probably one commandment we all say, okay, yeah, we all kept it, hopefully, right? You know, uh, the you shall not murder, right? Right. As far as I know, I did not literally kill anyone, so I think I'll probably check my box on that. And truly under the old covenant, uh, yeah, okay, I really checked it because it simply says you shall not murder. But if you go further down, it says, you shall not covet. So even under the law, nobody can say, I never coveted. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male or female servant, right? Oh, for example, you know, you're know, you passing by, you see a nice Lamborghini drive car drive by, and you say, hey, I wish I had that. Even that is breaking the law. So
0: Exactly. You know, I got a neighbor who's got a beautiful... Pu- Beautiful outdoor setup on his patio with three or four screens of t- of TV, and I'll go over there once in a while and watch football with him. And I mean, I've got a I've got a, a outdoor patio and pool and stuff. Mine isn't set up like that, so every once in a while, I will catch myself going, "Wow, it would be really nice to have this at my place." And it's like, yeah, That's- yeah. I, that's it's as simple as that you're not even yeah. sitting there going how can i take this from him or how can i scheme to get this in some other way you're literally just saying this is really nice i wish i had right right
1: and the thing is you know the more you try not to do that the worse it becomes just try try not to covet and see how it goes
0: <laughs> it's the old it's the old don't think about purple monkeys for the next right, 5 minutes right. routine you can't now that it has been put in your head you can't help but think about purple monkeys and we've said before it's not necessarily the act of sin that got us in this position but the knowledge of that sin and then knowingly breaking it exactly yeah it's you know don't think about coveting don't think about uh, you know making a graven image well if you hadn't yeah. said anything, I might not have ever thought of it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And that
1: takes us right into the New Testament, Romans chapter seven.
0: Well, before we go there, I just want to add something. I'm sorry yeah. for interrupting. No, no, object, no. Go ahead. But, go ahead. You know, we we're kind of centered on the Ten Commandments because that's the one I think everybody everybody knows. Ten Commandments, right? But there are 613 more. Rabbinical laws, and where did those come from? Those came from the Israelites asking their rabbis, their teachers. Well, what about what about this situation? What about that situation? And every one of those six hundred and thirteen additional rabbinical uh, issuances became laws in their own right, works, if you will, and again are really centered and focused on my behavior what I do, and then in some cases, even as far as what I think, what I feel, et cetera. So it's not, I mean, 10, bad enough. We know we can't keep those, but now there's 613 more. Holy cow.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, I bet they keep adding things to those 600 depending upon, you know, the changing times. I was, I once heard, you know, I do not know how true that is. But they have some weird laws, right? Like, if you go in an elevator on a Sabbath, right? You are not working, but it, if you actually uh, press the button, that is a work.
0: Oh my goodness! So,
1: <laughs> so they have elevators, you know, that automatically stop at every floor and then take you, and the doors open automatically. Something like wow. that. <laughs> wow, that's well. Okay, now we
0: we weren't raised under that, so you know, it's, I can't imagine it. But I'm sure that there are some people out there yeah. who may have have been raised under this. And if you guys want to correct us, please feel free or or enlighten us. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that to me is, I can't do ten. I don't even want to talk about the rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think the point we are making is there is no end to the law, right? They only keep adding, piling upon more and more as the times change as we live by, because every action of ours, we have to interpret in the context of the law and decide whether we are breaking the law or keeping the law. So Tim, we did talk about the 10th commandment, uh, thou shall not covet. Yep. You know, that takes us straight into uh, the New Covenant, Romans chapter 7. You know, this is a well-known chapter, not only just because it is in the Bible, but because it is a personal experience of everybody, almost everybody universally. It is a personal experience. In fact, because of that experience, we all finally come to uh, Lord Jesus Christ and come to grace. But, you know, I also, uh, one of the things we said is, Law makes us self-conscious, right? It's all about what I have to do because the whole law is dependent on me. If I keep the law, I am blessed. And if I break the law, I'm cursed. Is as simple as that. Tim, before jumping into Romans chapter 7 and reading a few verses, I don't know if you have something to add here.
0: No, I just was thinking uh, back to my youth, which, you know, it's very hazy for me. I'm kind of old. But I, uh, I remember that um, I learned young that I couldn't keep all those commandments, and I knew I needed some sort of help. And I, I did come to Jesus at age 12, but even from that point until probably 10 years ago, I didn't completely understand what I think you're about to delve into, and I'm excited to, to be able to share that and hear what you have to say. That's awesome.
1: Awesome, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, one of the things, the, you know, in Romans 7, uh, starting from the middle of the chapter, we have this experience of a man who is trying to keep the law. So one of the common questions that uh, is asked is, hey, is this, who is this talking about? Is it talking about a Jew or a Gentile, or is it talking about a believer or unbeliever? But the thing is, you know, it doesn't matter. Regardless of whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, as long as you go under the law, as long as you put yourself under the law, you will, uh, you will experience whatever is explained here. So we can let us just uh, look at Romans chapter 7, and I think I will start from verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. You know, Paul directly jumps to the uh, commandment that gives us the most trouble, right? (laughs) He did not pick uh, one of the top nine, but he picked the one that everyone breaks. So he is directly getting to the heart of the matter. And he is saying, for I would have not known what coveting really was if, the law had not said you shall not covet.
0: So it's a lot like we keep bringing up this analogy. If there's no speed limit signs on a highway, you don't know what the speed limit is. Therefore, you can't break it. I mean, um, that's it's again, I think I mentioned this early. It's the knowledge of the law brings us understanding of our inability to keep the law.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just reading a little more, for I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet but sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting for apart from the law sin was dead once i was alive apart from the law but when the commandment came sin sprang to life and i died i found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death
0: oh that's a tough one for as a parent of four kids I'm afraid that as as I raised my children, I raised them with a the knowledge of the law instead of just having them try to understand where to come from, from love and compassion and things like that. And I look back now and I go, wow, I probably could have done a lot of things different and better. I'm not saying there isn't discipline and, and stuff like that, but I am saying that I kind of placed the law on them instead of placing the love of Jesus and and God upon them.
1: It's not just you, Tim. It's everybody's experience. Even now, after knowing grace, we kind of default to the law when we are telling our kids, hey, do this, don't do this. So I think this is where we really need the Spirit of God and the grace of God in raising our children uh, according to the grace of God, right? Not by the rules and regulations. So moving forward a little bit, I found the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. So one point to make here is that actually law is intended to give life. If there is somebody who can perfectly keep the law, the reward of keeping the law is life. So, and if you break even one commandment, the reward is death. But if you are able to keep all the law, then then God is obligated to give you life. So that's how the law works. But in verse 11, we see, For sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. See, the other thing we notice here is it's not the sin that kills us. It's the law. Sin has no power to kill us. What sin is doing is it's taking opportunity by the commandment and it deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So, The loss is the wages of sin is death, right? The soul that sins shall die. But sin has no power to kill us. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, sin kills us. No, sin actually causes us to sin so that law can kill us. Because end of the day, the law was given by God and the power to kill or give life belongs to God. So the law of God kills us if we sin under the law.
0: You know, Ajay, I had a a pastor once who I loved and who kind of illustrated this part of this point and that is that if you break one sin that's it you've kind of you're kind of held accountable as in the same fashion if you had broken them all and he's he brought a very large sheet of glass up on to the pulpit and he started writing on it, and he wrote the ten commandments and he started writing things like the out of this the rabbinical laws and stuff and he goes absolutely every one of these things has to be kept the law is showing you that you can't keep them and therefore your you will sin and it's not the like you said it's not the sin that kills us but he took he says you break one law let's take one of the most innocuous ones you're wearing mixed fibers to church this morning and he took a pair of pliers and he tried to nip off just the tiniest little corner on that glass and that glass shattered like it had been struck by a bomb uh, and, and went everywhere. Wow. And wow. It was like, holy cow, what a very visceral way of showing you. Here's just this little tiny corner, just this one little big...
1: <sighs> That's an awesome illustration, Tim. I'm glad you shared that. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, I think the other one, it's not the exact analogy, but if you take a glass of pure water and you drop a... You put a drop of poison, right? The whole thing becomes poison. At that point, it it is as good as, you know, you're drinking the whole poison.
0: If you read a box of rat poison, it's a lot of ingredients and only less than 1% of it is actually poison. And yet it is enough to get rid of the pests and critters and rats.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, applying it to us, right? If it is a little bit of sin in us, the whole we are... All of us are sinful, right? If the a little leaven leavens the whole dough, right? Just like that, you know, even a little bit of sin is enough to make us completely sinful and bring us under the condemnation of the law. So I think sometimes we think, okay, yeah, if I'm 90%, I'm living a good life and 10%, okay, Everybody does that, right? Everybody, we are human. So (laughs) that's not going to fly.
0: (laughs) The school has taught us that 70% is a passing grade. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There's no passing grade here. Yeah. So just going forward a little bit in verse 12, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Then he goes on to say, did that which is good then become death to me? No, by no means, nevertheless, In order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. And then he goes on to say, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So that is a problem, right? The problem is not with the law. The problem is with us. If Let's say if you tell Jesus to obey the law, right? He will ace it. He will not have the same effect. Right. The reason, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, bring on more, right? You know, that's my nature. That's what I do all the time. You know, right? It's like uh, telling a baby to sleep in the crib. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's yeah. what. Uh, that's what it is, right? Lie down in the crib. You know, that's all they can do.
0: It's his nature.
1: It's his nature, yeah. But the law is a problem for us. You know, that's what the law is intended to show us simply put why law is given to show us hey you are not like jesus so don't pretend you are jesus if you really want to be like jesus receive the life of jesus that's the only way so law says that right you know clearly even for paul it says he he is saying that you know he realized finally that law is spiritual but i am unspiritual in other versions it says i'm carnal sold under sin i do not understand what i do for uh, what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do.
0: Yeah, that's a, that, and I've seen that so many times in my own life, and it's and it's difficult. But you know, we've been talking for quite a while about the bad, not the badness of the law is good and holy and just according to Paul. But uh, it's it's time for us to start saying, okay, so what's the answer to all this?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I know you're in it. I know you're in it. And uh, but I'm. I'm starting to get excited. Tell me, tell me, tell me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just if you can hold off for a couple of more verses. (laughs) Okay, okay. We'll get there. I think we have enough time, so we should be good. Uh, So, all right. So I'm just reading here, right? Even in fact, I'm getting excited reading this. It's been a while I actually read this. So we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So some people say, oh yeah, law is bad. No, we are not saying law is bad. We are actually agreeing that the law is good because we are doing something that we do not want to do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. Then he goes on to say, So I find a law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is there within me. So he is here referring to the sin that dwells in us, right? Here when he's saying, I find a law that is at work, he's not referring to the law of God. Obviously, he's referring to that law in him, that is, even though he wants to do good, he's ending up doing bad, right? It's like uh, the law of gravity. No matter how much you want to fly, you'll fall flat, right? There is this law of sin pulling us down. No matter how much we want to rise above the ground, we just fall flat on our faces. Because in our members, that's what he is saying, right? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Here he's referring to the law of God. But I see another law at work in me. He's talking about in my members. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me.
0: So I just have a question. You guys can't see us because it's an audio podcast and I'm raising my hands and stuff. Um, So the, the idea of um, I This I want to do, but I don't do, and this I don't want to do, but I do do, and that's the sin in us. That's really the flesh, the old nature, the sinful nature of being a human being that hasn't been saved, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's—it's that's. that's it's not saying we can't control it, but we can't control it all the time. We can't control it to the level to which it needs to be controlled. We just don't have that ability in the flesh of ourselves,
1: Yeah, Tim, you know, like you said, you know, we all have this uh, sinful nature, and the Bible says, you know, sin dwells in our members. You know, when Adam sinned, and we lost the life of Christ, or in other words, in fact, you know, we did not lose the life of Christ, I think, just to step back a little bit, you know, in the tree, in the garden, God had two trees. One is a tree of knowledge of good and evil, The another tree is a tree of life. The tree of life is nothing but the lord jesus christ himself so but adam was created innocent he was neither righteous nor sinful he was like innocent like a baby right like babies are innocent so he had the choice of eating from the tree of life and partake of lord jesus christ himself and partake of his nature or he had the choice of you know eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and die and just come under the reign of sin but that's what happened right so when adam sinned basically His spiritually, His communion with God, you know, He lost it. And on top of that, He inherited an evil heart, which is our evil nature. And also He inherited a fallen body. So now the Bible says, sin dwells in our members, sin dwells in our body. You know, that's one of the reasons why even believers can sin, because we still have the old bodies in which sin dwells. You know, only when we get to heaven, we get new and perfect bodies, you know, even the presence of sin We are delivered even from the presence of sin, but until then, we have sin dwelling in our members, and that is the reason we end up sinning.
0: I've always thought it was interesting, even from, you know, uh, pre uh, understanding of the New Covenant versus Old Covenant, that they weren't called the tree of life and the tree of death. It was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge. Of good and evil not not even the tree of wanting to make you evil it was just the right. knowledge of good and evil that was a very distinct very specific thing i right. it, it took me quite a long time to come to grips with that
1: yeah yeah in fact you know that is a type of law right you know what is good what is evil you're basically telling god okay i will keep the good and thereby i earn my righteousness i don't need you and i will avoid the evil yeah but, uh, but the predicament is, you know, the Lord said, the day you will eat of it, you will die. It's not after you put it to test. The moment you ate of it, you will die. That means Adam, the moment they ate of it, they died. And after dying, they came to know the knowledge of good and evil. So there's no way they can keep the law because by the time they came to understand what is good and what is bad, they're already dead and they have no life so that they can keep the good and avoid the evil. So that is a predicament we are in, right? You know, we are already dead. We have no strength in us to do any good, and we are exposed to the law. What can we do? We, we will become even worse, right? That's exactly what uh, Paul is saying here. There are two laws he's talking about. One is God's law, right, in verse uh, 21, and in verse 23 is talking about the law of sin that is at work in our members. And we are subject to the law of sin that is at work in our members. And we are under the reign of sin, and then we are exposed to God's law. So there's no way we can keep it. And that is a struggle that uh, Paul is talking about here. And then finally he cries out, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So before we read the answer, uh, Tim, I just wanted to go back and notice how many times I, I, I came in this chapter. So, you know, starting from verse 7, what shall we say is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. You know, first I, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin-seizing opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. Apart from the law, sin was dead. Again, once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin-seizing opportunity by the law deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. And then you move on, right? Um, If you further go, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I (laughs) do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. And for I know the law is good, and law is good. I know that good itself does not dwell in me; that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry out. And there are more eyes, right? Uh,
0: it's it's amazing just how self centered uh, yeah. the law has has made. All of these statements at this point. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't want to rush you, but we're starting to get close to our usual time limit. So, what I want to say is, save me from all this me, 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 <laughs> me. Tell yeah, me, tell yeah. me why, you know, how the, the spirit and the new covenant save yeah. me from having to do right. me and start focusing right. elsewhere.
1: Right. So, let's read that in uh, 24 and 25. I'm actually going to go a little bit into chapter uh, 8 so that uh, it, uh, you see everything in context. Sometimes, you know, we just uh, read chapters as though the conversation ended there, but it's not true. So let's see. And in verse 24, What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature of the flesh, a slave to law of sin. And then he goes on to say, I think the next sentence is just an addendum, but I'm going to kind of skip it and read uh, a, a, the next chapter in context. Then you will see, right? In From 24 through uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, I'm going to read it again what a wretched man i am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death thanks be to god who delivers me through jesus christ our lord therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus that's it period so that is the deliverance right who will deliver me it is the lord jesus christ
0: that's huge that that complete that's a complete 180 t- turn around right in right verse and it is the the idea that we we may still mess up we still may have issues and problems but uh yeah keep going cuz this is the part that goes you've been pushed down and beaten this long but now
1: yeah but now yeah therefore there is now no condemnation to to those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it is weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemns sin in the flesh.
0: Amen.
1: In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. So here again, I think it's important to note, right? You know, here it says, you know, who... Do not live according to the flesh. Again, you know, people default to interpreting this, oh, who do not sin, right? That's not what it is. The whole point is we could not keep the law. We could not keep ourselves from sinning. So what it is saying is not living according to the flesh is not living by the works of the law, but living by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are not living by the law, but living by grace, there is no condemnation because The law of spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Again, here, I think uh, when we say, you know, the law of spirit of life made me from the law of sin and death. It is, I believe it is referring to verse uh, 23 in the previous chapter, right? It says, I see another law at work in me. So what it means is, even though as believers in our flesh, if we come under the law of sin that is in our flesh, we end up sinning sometimes. There's no condemnation
0: and we do sin sometimes i mean i uh, i don't want to make things too personal but late, earlier i guess last week i had a bit of a frustration moment and meltdown with two of the m- people i respect and love the most ajay and mark i i literally just unloaded on them about something i couldn't have felt felt worse because i knew i'd hurt them i knew i had been been and done wrong i uh, but uh the idea is that they showed me the same love of Christ and told me that there was you know no need for forgiveness because in their minds they loved me and they knew that you know we're all human we have problems and Jesus does the same thing he says you may do things that are wrong but uh you know you may have to deal with them on the earthly plane in the flesh but you don't have to worry about those things in the spiritual level you don't come to the throne when you die and go you know, you had that little problem that day with Mark and Aj. <laughs> you know, I'm, I can, I can get your forgiveness and repair our relationship, which is necessary in the earth. But with Jesus, I can go, Lord, just keep working on me and keep working through me and help me put my flesh aside.
1: Totally, Tim, and of course, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I did not feel like you know that was a big thing or I was offended. But I think it's your gentleness that's causing you to feel like that. So that aside but i think the point we are making is we are even though we have this law of sin and death in us in our members especially as believers and even though we might come under the power of it and sin but we are free from condemnation that's what it says you know the law of spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death that means even though in our flesh in our body we sin we do not die again spiritually because the law of the spirit of life that is in our spirit is greater than the law of sin and death that is in our members. So because there is no condemnation, even if we sin, we do not die again. Because the Bible goes on to see the Lord Jesus Christ has condemned sin in the flesh on the cross. So the sin itself is condemned. And that which is condemned cannot condemn us. So this is really, really beautiful. Like there's so much to uh, learn from here or, you know, so much to... um, So much to garner from this, but I think it suffices to say that as believers, we don't have to be afraid of uh, uh, ever dying again if we sin or ever coming back under condemnation if we sin. In fact, the gift of no condemnation is the one that propels us to live a life above the sinful flesh.
0: There's a lot we could unpack in all that, Ajay, but unfortunately, sadly, we're coming up on the end of our time Uh, for a normal episode. So what I want to do is I want to quickly say that if you accept Jesus and you you have understood and believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that we are no longer sinful people, you may still do wrong things. This is after you become a believer. You may still do wrong things. You may still have things to face on this earth. You may have to repair relationships. You may have to address situations and walk through them because the earth is still the earth. But when we die, when we go to heaven, there's going to be a judgment for everybody, even Christians. And we're going to stand before the throne, and he's going to say to those who believed in him, I see nothing wrong with you because all I can see is that you accepted my son and you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Well done. You enter into eternal life. Ajay, that's my wrap-up. I'm going to let you go ahead and do your wrap-up.
1: So, Tim, I have to, it might be a hair split, but uh, I have to disagree with you a little bit. So the Bible says, you know, we are not coming to judgment at all. So on the great day of judgment, the people who are standing are those who are not in Christ. In fact, I would say if we are already in Christ and we are seated already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so when Christ is judging the world, where would we be? Are we in front of him or are actually with him on the throne? So I tend to believe we are in Christ, right? Actually judging the world. In fact, um, somewhere the Lord Jesus says, you know, his disciples will judge the world. So I feel like, you know, we will never come into judgment. But again, that's probably a hair split. Uh, But uh, I thought, you know, there's so much more joy in knowing that we don't even stand before the judgment throne. So I just wanted to say that I don't mean to disagree with you on this. Yeah, I should
0: have prefaced what I said with, this is what I believe, because that was an yeah, opinion, yeah. not something I could back up scripturally. So what I will say is, I'm sure you and I will talk about this <laughs> over <Yeah>. time, <laughs> and we'll revisit this on the podcast sometime yeah. in the future. But we don't have 100% of the answers, and even we don't yeah. necessarily agree on 100%. But here's what we do agree on. When we believe on Christ, and we do as Paul said, and we say we are determined not to know anything, but Jesus Christ and him crucified, we are delivered from the knowledge of, the, of good and evil and that we are no longer condemned by it. And exactly. I think that's, especially since we talk so much about sin and the I, 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 this is no longer about us. It's about what Jesus Christ did for us, and we can rest in that, and we can move in that, and then we can continue to talk about the details.
1: Yeah. So, Tim, I know we are at time, but just I'll take 10 seconds to give a wrap. Uh, So we saw that under the law, it's all about I, 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 right? Yep. And um, when we turn to Christ Jesus, when we turn to the cross, right, the I dies on the cross. And then from that point onward, it's all jesus it's all christ and him crucified it's no longer i and that's why you know under the law we can never be christ-centered and if we are not christ-focused we can never be others focused also right so just forget about really truly from your heart helping anyone being generous and loving under the law because the focus is always on me 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 so in order to be generous in order to be christ-like you need to be delivered from the law And that's exactly the cross does for us.
0: Amen. And what a good summation. And with one caveat, never trust me, Mark, or IJ when we say we only need 10 seconds to go only 10 seconds. (laughs) I love you, brother. It's been a good conversation with you tonight. And I look forward to talking with you and when next time when Mark returns. So, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again the next time. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at at Yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.